Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 796th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is helping to connect seed communities worldwide. We're talking with Rebecca Newburn about creating a global seed library census. Rebecca is the co-founder of Richmond Grows Seed Lending Library, a free seed exchange located in the Richmond Public Library in Richmond, California, where she lives. The Create a Library template she designed has helped thousands of seed libraries launch around the world. She is the webmaster for seedlibraries.net and the editor of Cool Beans, Seed Libraries Newsletter, an international publication supporting local seed projects. Rebecca appeared on our podcast, episode 700, in October of 2022. So for an in-depth look at seed libraries, you can listen there. Welcome to the show today, Rebecca. Are you ready to talk seed census? I am. Excellent. (laughs) Good to see you again. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to create the seed census? Yeah, we just launched January 1st, so we're super excited. Yeah, exactly. It's only been a couple of days now. Wow. Where this came from was when I first started Richmond Grows, I really wanted to create this idea of acknowledge that seed saving and seed sharing has been a part of humanity for thousands and thousands of years. And this new kind of iteration with seed libraries, when it first got started, I wanted to create this as a replicable model that could be used in any community because it's something that many communities have lost touch with in terms of their ability to save and share seeds locally. When I first started Richmond Grows, we were having in-person orientations. They're like, what is a seed library? And here's how to use it because people didn't know what a seed library was because it was a fairly new concept in this modern iteration. We had people from other communities in the San Francisco Bay Area come to our orientations with the idea that they wanted to also start a seed library. And so the first year, 15 seed libraries opened up. So I started keeping track of the seed libraries. And the next year it was 100. And the next year we had 250 people on this list. Wow. 
Yeah. So that's it, all in the San Francisco area? No, because oh, okay. I, I had a Google alert. And so I'd see, oh, Bethlehem. And I'm like, Bethlehem, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Bethlehem. <laughs> so I started doing research and kind of compiling this Google doc that became a Google spreadsheet, which then I was just like, okay, this is getting really big and awesome and created as a Google form where people just filled it in and told us that they were open or interested in opening or had opened multiple branches. Since I started this in 2010, not everybody comes back in and says, now we're open. Now we've opened extra branches. And case in point, right now we're in the process of creating the Seed Library Network as its own kind of entity. It's been somewhat of a project of Richmond Grows. And one of the women on our organizing group is from Austin, Texas, and she's on the list, on our Seed Library list, as, as interested in opening and she's like, we have 11 branches. So that just gave me the idea that it really is time to go in and look at this data and see how many, and another case in point, I think I would have my thumb on the pulse and in the county I live in, 12 seed libraries opened in the last year and a half, two years, and I wasn't aware of them until I just happened to be going to the library and saw on the website that they had all these seat libraries. I'm like, I knew a couple of people had reached out to me, but I didn't know the the breadth of it. So it just felt being that we're starting this organization and so many people's data isn't up to date, but also what do we want to collect? What information would be useful to the community? Who's stewarding resources? Who has resources? What languages do they have it? Because we've been obviously based on just starting as someone who's English speaking, mm-hmm. uh, somewhat Spanish speaking, our resources have been really limited linguistically because it is international. So it's very exciting. Just two days ago, I got an email from a woman in the Czech Republic who wanted to talk about seed libraries. And I knew they had some, but they have 250 seed libraries in the Czech Republic. And they recently got a grant from the United Nations to help Moldova open seed libraries. So there's dozens of seed libraries there. So we're trying to figure out how to connect with these different seed libraries because they're not coming in on our on network because of language issues. We are not connected. Yeah. So we're actually putting out the census in 14 languages. Obviously, we wish we could do more. However, it's, it's a start. For example, Czech just got added to the list just because there's so much happening right there. And we're co-partnering on the census there. They're going to be putting it out with their network and we're going to be looking at the data together and we're asking questions that are really going to hopefully support the communities that are doing the seed libraries. What what are their needs? What resources do they have? And then we can share that out. Obviously the resources we get from them would be shared out more on their list and their website. Wow. Um, so yeah, so it's really super fun and exciting. France just did a census of their seed libraries and they have 950 plus in France. And we only have one of them on our list, which was the one that started in 2011 or something. Right. Really exciting to connect in with different people and reconnect with people and have conversations about what do you have? What do you need? Some of the things that come up, which is I'm a librarian in charge of a seed library, but I'm not a gardener. Help. That would be a good resource to provide. All right. So that's the census. The census is this is a global census you're working on to, yes. to yeah. discover where in the world seed libraries are. Correct. Because like we have on our list, like I said, we have 2,600 or so uh, communities listed and it's about 45 different 
uh, countries mm-hmm. are on that list, but there are other ones that are, there are other countries that are not on that list. And then obviously, like I said, with us having one from France and there's, you know, 950 plus, it's great that we have a lot of really interesting people on our committee that are committed to reaching out to the communities that they're involved in and trying to kind of help us have more of a larger conversation around the work yeah. that's happening in these different areas. Why is this important? Oh, for so many reasons. Seeds are really the foundation of community, of culture, of connection. Seeds have so much wisdom. And as we've lost our way as a civilization, if you could call us that at this moment in time, I think there's so much that can be awoken in humanity by listening to what's inside of a seed. Mm -hmm. And in this time of climate change, if we're just going by the model that we're that is currently seen in Western culture, this is not going to bode well, which is monoagriculture, high intensity use of fossil fuels. That is not going to bode well long-term. So it's exciting to get back to community seed saving and sharing something that's been done for thousands of years. And in many communities that have lost that reconnect us with that and the stories and the culture and the importance of seeds and honoring the wisdom of the people that have been stewarding them for generations. Yeah. Wow. And so there's, you're discovering lots of seed libraries worldwide. What kind of results are you seeing in what, six days in your census? Yeah. Right now we haven't, I haven't really looked too much at the in-depth data. It's been quite the process, which is like how we're going to collect data across 14 languages and I speak like three of them. (laughs) So it's, we're doing it, everything is coded. So I could look and it doesn't matter if it's Russian or Czech or Bengali or Hindi or Japanese or Spanish. I can look at if it says G1 in front of the information, I know that seed library is located in universities. I haven't looked at the actual specific data Mm-hmm. Uh, at this moment in time, I've just looked at a couple of the, the needs that people are having, just seeing what are people saying and figuring out like, where do we go next with this? So one of the questions we have are what resources do you have that you'd like to share with the community and in what languages are they? Oh, very good. And then we're looking at what support do you need? And so we're going to pull those two together, like who's offering and who's needing. And for example, maybe we'll do something like donation forms. And here's all these communities that have donation forms that they have created that they would like to share. And then we'll pull those together and then offer those out in some way through our newsletter, on our website, in our online forum to engage people and supporting them with that. And so then each week, each month or so, I don't know how often we'll do it, we'll look at the needs and wants and go into the, the document and ask people like, okay, you said you were willing to share this could you share this with us now? And then we'll pull it together in some way that's digestible and accessible and multilingual. Wow. Accessible. Yeah. So this is a tool for global connectivity and sharing. This isn't a static document. Oh, this is where they're at. Your goal is to really join these communities together and have them start working together. Yeah, ideally, because there's so many people doing wonderful work in their community and One community might have a really great resource on how to do community plant breeding. And other groups are like, wow, we'd love to start that. And we don't even know where to begin. It's just, so it's nice to be able to have more of a conversation. And for people that are just starting to try to even create all that themselves, it's, it was 
yeah, I just know how much time it took me just to start Richmond Grows and all of the thought that went into that. And it's great to have resources readily available that people can then just take and adapt to their particular needs. Nice. And if somebody wanted to start a seed library, how do they find out about how to do that? Yeah, so we have a bunch of resources at seedlibraries.net. And you can just go to the create a library page and we have stuff there. We have also how to maintain a library. So once you get going, it's one thing to get it started, but then you're like, now that we're up and running, what do we do? It's like practices about how do you go in every, how often should you go into your library and remove old seeds or check for different things? So there's resources on how to do that as well. And as I said, really, we're hoping in the next six months to really make, to make much more of that available in, in different languages as well as, and also if to point to where you might go to, if you speak a different language that has already a really well-established network in that country, oh, go there and they've got all the resources. So we'd be sharing out what we have with them so they can have it in their own language on their own websites. Nice. And for those of our listeners that don't know what a seed library is, can you give us a one minute description? Sure, I can give you a farmer market uh, pitch on that one. <laughs> so basically, a seed library is a community hosted seed repository that's open, accessible, and free to the community. So there's no requirement that you need to return seeds. Obviously, in order for it to be long term sustainable, Someone needs to do that. Uh -huh. um, it doesn't take a lot of seed savers, though, to keep a, seed, a, seed, a community well-seeded, though. And there's no one way that it looks. And I think that's um, something that people have a vision that my seed library needs to look at a particular way. They could be anything from a little box on a reference desk with seeds, a little shoe box, to a tiny book library that's been converted into a seed resource, to someplace that has 27 branches that are all connected on their public libraries catalogs. And they're in multiple places too. They're in libraries, they're in museums, they're in stores, they're in pop-up places, in restaurants. So it's really exciting. But the idea is that it's free, it's accessible. So as opposed to a bank, which is much more closed, often right. for long-term storage, for accessibility, we're really looking at constantly having those seeds in circulation, adapting to our climate, being available at any time to the people that need them, as opposed to being a more closed system. Nice. And generally, where are these seeds coming from? Well, I think it really varies. And that's one of the questions we're asking on our survey is what percent of your seed is locally grown? And also, do you have an interest in it being more locally grown? I know that when we started, because we're just getting started, we did ask for some commercial donations and we started there. But also, as soon as the word got out, I remember one of the Berkeley um, Gardens, they dropped off two large grocery bags of seeds for us. Wow. Yeah, which was really awesome. And so it's it really depends. Some are 100% commercially donated or even commercially purchased to some that have seed gardens associated and are 100% locally grown, some on site, some by community or, or through the community. Yeah. Well, and the thing is that once you get started, mm -hmm. seeds are so incredibly abundant. Yeah. They're just there. You, the problem I have, I've been saving <laughs> seeds for over a decade. The problem I have is I have way too many seeds that don't ever get planted Yeah. because of that abundance. 
Yeah. Find your local seed library. <laughs> That's why the map right. is going to be there as we collect the data. The seed library list is still up. And it's just really nice that there are seed libraries where you can give people, because I know that I have, I'm given seeds to people and then I've lost something in my collection. And because of that generosity of the seeds, I was able to find, get those seeds that were important to me back when I failed one year and I didn't have a backup. So this is an awesome project. Congratulations for doing it. What are the requirements for filling out the census? In order to get yourself on the map, you need to go to seedlibraries.net and then you're going to click the map tab at the top. And once again, we're only fill it in if your seed library is actually open and you're involved in the seed library. So not that, oh, my community has one, I'm going to fill it in. If you're a member of the organizing group, discuss amongst the people, oh, we're filling it in, who's going to do it. If you aren't open yet, just come back later when you are officially open. Once again, we have the census in 14 languages, Arabic, Bengali, Czech, English, French, German, Hindi, Japanese, Mandarin, Portuguese, Russian, Spanish, Tagalog, and Vietnamese. If you happen to have connections with any of those people in those communities, help reach out to them, share the census. If you speak another language that's not represented in that and there's seed libraries, we are happy to make this more accessible to people because it's really about coming together as a global community to support ourselves on a local level. (laughs) And yeah, we're just really excited to have this out in the world and connecting with people at this moment in time. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing it. It is a pleasure. Super fun. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I would say learn how to save a seed. But something that we have done for thousands and thousands of years, find something that you love and learn how to save it. And if you've never saved a seed before, the really super easy ones that are fun to do are peas and beans. Open a dry bean pod and just see how gorgeous it is and save it. So I would just encourage you to learn how to save a seed and then take the next step and share it with someone that you care about. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Rebecca. It has been a pleasure. And just as a reminder, how can people get a hold of you and find out more about seed libraries and or fill out the census? Yeah. So once again, you can go to seedlibraries.net and on the website, we have information about how to create a library, how to maintain a library. We have resources on seed saving. We've offered a number of summits and we have the links to all of our, the last two summits, all of our recordings are linked in there as well. And then the census is also on the map tab. So there's that as well. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And you can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash seed census. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, 
then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.